You're listening to Luxury Insider, a podcast that highlights the hottest trends and innovations in the world of luxury, hosted by Invent Lux. Hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss an episode. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Uh, hi everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Ben Pritchard, and welcome to our Luxury Insider podcast. Uh, today uh, we are joined by John Morgan and Dan Innes and we'll be diving into um, a really interesting uh, research topic that you guys have been looking into uh, which is a move from buying clothes uh, to renting clothes. Uh, welcome to the podcast today, um, it's great to have you. Um, can you give our listeners a little introduction uh, to yourselves? Uh, John, do you want to go Sure, first? so uh, I'm John Morgan, I'm one of the directors of Lennon Design Architects. Uh, we uh, have five offices across the world and we act for many big retailer and fashion brands. And my name is Dan Innes and I'm the founder of Inesco and we're an international marketing agency based here in London, working with some of the largest and most ambitious uh, property developers around the world and, and they engage very closely with some of the brands that we'll be talking about today. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a, a really interesting topic, certainly a topic I uh, know little about myself. So I'm uh, really looking forward to being educated myself uh, today. Uh, before we get into um, sort of the, the topic, what made you guys look into it? What was the, um, the inspiration to start the research in the first place? I guess it was, uh, we, you'd organised a round table event and one of our clients was there and as they, at the end of the event they kind of set us this challenge of you know, what's going to happen in the industry when people stop buying clothes and start renting them and we spoke about that weekend, there's something really exciting about this as well and it just grew from there. There's a, sh- there's a real shift that we've been monitoring for quite a few years now. Um, actually originally stems from the, the sort of fascination with the millennial market and their shift and change in consumer behaviours. And so that clearly has been dating back 2016, 2017, yeah. 2018. And um, as John says, some of the conversations we've been having have been, well, what happens when people start thinking about their consumption and how much they're actually buying and how many clothes they actually need um, and whether or not they, uh, they're perhaps wearing their clothes as much as they think they are or you know, buying clothes and then not even wearing them. They're staying mm-hmm. in their cupboards with their tags on still. Um, and and really, and is that good for the environment? Because yeah, yeah. clearly, that's um, a huge emphasis for the millennial market. Definitely, and we've seen the interest growing from when we started working research for one client. You know, a lot of interest from European um, brands, but also Korean brands as well, are really interested in trying to get their head around it before it happens. I think mm. is the key thing. It's a, <coughs> sorry, it's a cultural shift in the consumers that is driving this view of needing things that are more sustainable um, from an environmental point of view as well as a financial point of view. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And um, and really, I mean, I think the timing of this, uh, this, this discussion today really is perfect after COP26. Okay. Everybody's thinking about what, it, what does the, the circular economy of fashion actually look like? Um, some of the biggest brands around the world have begun to start looking at this in terms of, you know, from a long-term perspective, will they retain those customers for the long term if they don't actually want to buy their products uh, for, you know, into the longer term? So, I mean, so there have been some bigger, big, big brands. Definitely. And I think, you know, you know, there are many, you know, people who've written about, you know, retail futurists like Howard Saunders, who talks about if everybody wore all the clothes they owned until they fell to pieces, regardless of fashion, you would never need to buy another item of clothing again, except children's clothes. 
okay? So suddenly if you're a fashion brand and you open a shop, you're building something that nobody needs mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And therefore that's the challenge that is faced these, you know, these retailers and you know, that we are seeing you know, in terms of how, from Dan's team, how you communicate with the, the consumer and from our perspective, how you design you know, the physical retail environment. Because these retailers want the physical environment, we know the consumers want it, but they're looking at their wardrobes thinking, you know, a level of guilt, I guess it mm -hmm. is, in terms of mm -hmm. buying more clothes or buying fast fashion or where those clothes come from um, as well. And that's, that's been a real kind of groundswell for not just those years I just mentioned from 2017, 18, but even 10 years ago, um, you know, actually the project I met John uh, working on in Westfield at, in Stratford, um, right then, the absolute topic was, you know, will online retail eclipse yep. mm -hmm. you know, high street retail? Mm -hmm. And the discussion then was, you know, we should be embracing uh, the, the arrival of digital and how it can actually improve the customer experience mm -hmm. for, for people when they come into store. And so, you know, we had the front page in Draper's magazine yeah. with the, the, the lead developer at Westfield talking to fashion operators to say, we want to embrace digital. But 10 years on, 11 years on from that, now it's very much about, well, can we also be sustainable without losing that customer engagement? And can, you know, and what it means for the high street stores is those high street stores need to work harder to build a different kind of relationship, perhaps. It doesn't necessarily mean buying a ja another jacket. Yeah. It could be, you know, come to events or other promotions. Because uh, the, the customer retention, you know, so many people have their favorite brands, don't they, when they're growing up and everything, they'll always go to the same shop because that's what they think fits better on them or they like the experience you know a, a fashion brand is often more than just the the, the clothes or the the goods the items it's about the story mm. the um they tell yeah. you in the advertising i mean if you buy you know I, I you know they if you buy a if you buy a bell staff jacket you know you're you're not going to be buying a bell staff jacket every other month you're going to probably buy one every year or every other year if you're if you're if you're, uh, if you're that focused on that brand but you want to live that brand and be engaged with them um, it's funny, funnily enough, it's something that the car industry has been doing for quite yeah. some time. So BMW, Audi, you know, they're, they're organising sporting events, talking events, mm -hmm. um, evening drinks receptions, because you want to be part of the BMW or the Audi experience. But brands are really, fashion brands are really switching onto that now. Yeah, I mean, you know, brands like Dunhill, um, you know, an amazing brand, but to, you know, they were commissioning uh, Just So London, a, a short film company, produce a film to be able to invite their customers to come to a preview evening in London of the film. That's how hard these brands are having to work to retain their custom base as well. And it's interesting you say about the, the Westfield um, Stratford example. For me, there was an interesting shift when we worked on Westfield London and we opened the Mary Porter's Living and Giving Shop. Mm. You know, a charity shop, we opened it in the luxury village, the luxury part of Westfield London. And the response was phenomenal mm. of people wanting to buy secondhand clothes. You know, mm -hmm. this huge shift and so many retailers, you know, you look at H&M have set up the H&M Foundation, you know, where they're asking young, bright, clever people for ideas in how to change the market and change the H&M brand. And that's because they're searching for the answer. And those brands, I think, will find the answer mm. more quickly than others. So others. how does a consumer's relationship with the experience of buying change then when you're hiring instead of shopping? So it is the idea, so from a retail perspective, from what you'll be designing in the future, how does that change the layout, what is expected of a, of a space and what will I, as a consumer, experience when, yeah. when I now come to shop? 
Yeah. Well, do you want to start talk about the kind of communication first? Well, I'll talk about the yeah, story. I mean, I think it, it all stems back to to the role of you know developing and, and building a, a strong brand, mm-hmm. and and that customer retention that you were mentioning in terms of how do you get in front of your customer, how do you then sell to your customer, and then how do you retain them? So all of those elements that we talked about there with Dunhill, Audi, BMW, everything you know, that, that, that's how they're retaining customers these days. But as you say, from a, the question about how's that going to impact the the customer journey when people come into a store we've already seen a, a trend towards showrooming yeah. where essentially you're working hand in hand with the online offer but that online offer has to be seamlessly slick and efficient and enjoyable uh, through the whole process um, it, interestingly just that the kind of segues two of the points we were mentioning earlier on is um, you know from the H&M foundation but um, ASOS as seen on screen or as ASOS I always think of them as yeah. as seen on screen still. but they, they, they they've literally just introduced a new circular design guidebook this week which effectively because they have been criticized quite heavily for their yeah. sustainable fashion credentials and they've looked at nine circular design strategies which look at the way of things like you know what material is it innovative is it modern is it forward-thinking is it sufficiently recycled um, in its nature uh, everybody's looking at minimizing waste we'll come back to an interesting story yeah. about about landfill and things uh, in terms of the number of clothes going to, to landfill and looking for, to achieve sort of zero waste um, but durability, versatility, those kind of elements in, in terms of the, the, the fabrics that are being used. And that, you know, brands are investing time and energy into how that's going to impress their clients to improve retention. And, the, and, the, and one of the best and strongest uh, ways of doing that is to immerse them in that brand experience. And sometimes that doesn't mean it's online. It has to be physically in the stores. And that's where the, that's where the, the shop build, yeah. the, the destination, the high street store, the shopping places element and placemaking elements come into play. Definitely. And the showroom piece is really important because it means there's far less density of stock in the store mm-hmm. um, in there. So if you are, if you are renting a, a £350 dress, and you're going to rent it for £35 for the weekend, and you're going to rent that to 10 people to get to your £350 sales pitch. You only need one dress for 10 customers, not 10 dresses. I mean that. So it's totally changing the logistics um, of retail. And you talk about people being loyal to brands. I mean, we are seeing loyalty falling off a cliff, you know, because people are going onto Instagram, they're seeing some they like, and they're clicking on it, not because it's a Dunhill brand, or it's a John Lewis brand, or it's H&M. It's because they like the look of it, okay? Or because the they're the front, it. or the person wearing it. And therefore, you know, suddenly people are buying from everywhere and anywhere, as opposed to being loyal to their brand. And if you are a retailer who is dealing with, you know, increasing costs, staff shortages, logistics problems, you know, Brexit supply chain issues, mm. every season, it's very difficult to have headspace to be able to think in the way Dan's team do in terms of the customer, this change is coming, the rental piece as well. Mm. And that's why I think it's become so important to many of our clients mm. as a topic. So do you think it will help the high street then? Because you know, one of the things about going out of town is bigger floor space. So you can have more stuff on the show yep. for people to look at, to try. When it's more of an experience and you're probably popping in and out of more stores, mm. more encouraging yourself to make it more of a, a special day out, you know, a bit of lunch and mm. go around. So do you think that that change might help well, the high street? People, well, people, uh, well, brands want to be where people 
travel mm. to and it's easily accessible uh, so it's not necessarily an in-town out-of-town debate uh, I, I don't believe um, but it, 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 it is to do with accessibility but um, but just you know on the on the point about um, the, 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 the 350 pound dress and the 35 pound rental it kind of one of the key things that uh, that MS has launched uh, only this week actually is a new rental um, offer. Um, so they're um, they're um, collaborating with um, with Higher Street to deliver a new platform. But actually, interestingly, Katie Bickerstaff, the Chief uh, Operating Officer at MS, she's really emphasising the fact that it shows how durable their 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 clothing is and actually the quality. Of, of it. So it's interesting that initially, I think, yeah. when there was a groundswell of discussion about this topic, it was about, oh, you know, it was about fast fashion being cheap and yeah. poor quality. And in fact, actually, it's actually been tipped on its head. And people talking about quality now, and actually, quality matters. And so mm-hmm. you could be just spending the same amount of money, but just in different ways. Yeah. And so that's the key. Um, Will this business model still work for fast fashion then, when there's a greater emphasis on quality and longevity? Does fast fashion, fast fashion still have well, a place in it? I, I, I think it does, but it won't, necessarily mean, it won't necessarily mean selling more garments. There might just be a smaller number of garments in greater circulation. Mm-hmm. And so they may, still make just, they may still make the same revenues and margins yeah. uh, as businesses and, be, and make a success out of this, uh, this challenge or opportunity, depending on how they see it. But we see it very much as an opportunity for those brands to change their operating model to actually provide and, and provide good quality clothing, potentially rented, potentially, uh, but but you know, but also be, um, sold, uh, potentially in store online. But it could they, they could be in a in circulation several times before they before they are thrown away. And I think also it's not necessarily you know, about scale. You know, we're not just seeing the fashion market; we're seeing the furniture market as well. So you know, John Lewis now have a rental um, platform, uh, which they do with. Um, fat- Fat Lima, I think it is, who kind of run it for them as, as a platform. You know, going live, 48 hours after going live, everything was was taken. You know, and therefore, you know, if Dan wants a new cop, a new dining table, you know, rather than going and spending thousands of pounds on it, you rent it. When the look you've got, you want to change, you send it back and someone else rents who doesn't mind it's been used once before. And actually, you don't feel guilty about then getting rid of it because it's going back into, you know, back into um, use with someone else mm. and you get something new. So, you know, it, our view is it's not going to stop at fashion. It's going to grow mm. and grow. And in the same way as we saw in the property market with more and more people now renting through build to rent rather than having mortgages and owning why will that not transfer over into this market as well? So I think mm-hmm. it's, it's an incredibly exciting time, I think, in terms of the market. Mm-hmm. I, mean, so it, it, I mean, the mortgages sort of analogy used there, I mean, some of the, the reason why, especially here in London, people are doing that is because they can't afford mm-hmm. that. I mean, there is a, I think, as a, a genera- generational thing, people are more willing to move around. Uh, we're happier to be transient in our lives. So we, we, we don't see the... Uh, you know, houses, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to live here, but like my wardrobe full of jackets that I've not worn for, for a while. We're not shaving anybody I'm supposed to put the hangers in the wrong way around, aren't I? And if it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, six months later, yeah. I get rid of it. Well, we had a, just a quick one on that. We had a we had a really funny conversation about. Yeah. Imagine if there was some technology in the fabric of your clothes that told you how many times you'd worn that that mm. item, or the that, last that, time that you wore it, or the last time you wore it. Yeah. So then you could look through your wardrobe and see that you yes, you've worn that jumper 40, 50 times, but that jumper. 
yeah. yeah. Never. And how many people have got something in their wardrobe that was, oh, I'll wear that when I've lost that half yep. stop. Yeah. <laughs> you, never, you never quite so, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. I think you talk about, um, you know, uh, the brands or the type of brands. You know, yes, you know, we know that, you know, uh, Gucci, Ralph Lauren, Levi, they are all looking at these kind of um, reuse and uh, higher type models in their business. But you know, even your Moss Bros have brought out a subscription. So you talk about brand loyalty. So you get people to subscribe, they get sent a box of clothes, you wear those clothes once or 150 times, and when you've had enough of it, you send it back and they clean and they give it to someone else and they send you some new clothes. Mm-hmm. Now that, at that point, when it's just arriving, it's a subscription model, actually you can see how that would maintain the brand loyalty with them, but you've got to get someone who's willing to set up a direct debit for £65 mm-hmm. a month to kind of get the, the clothes coming to you. There are lots of examples of really, really good um, platforms that are being set up. So the Shirt Society was set up, mm-hmm. where you kind of got your shirt sent through, yeah. and they really really struggled well, yeah. Trunk as well. you know the shirt society really struggled what they're now doing is they're using the technology the platform that was that they're white labeling it and now selling that to retail brands because they've learned from the failure and I think that's the big thing we're mm. seeing is mm. you can't ever imagine you're going to get to the right answer the first time no you're going to have to try 10 different things and fail before you find the 11 thing that's going to work and in some ways, you've got to embrace the failure. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the projects we work on, we say, okay, we don't know the answer, but we're going to go and give this a try. And from that, we're going to learn and we're going to get it right the next time, next time. You know, and you see the retailers who are in there early, they're not scared of failure, they're investing in it correctly, that are going to get to the right solution most mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, I can certainly see, you know, from a personal perspective, um, you know, pre-COVID and hopefully in the future, I was trying to Canada once every so six weeks and trying to work out what business attire. Then, so you know, if I could just have three suits ready for me waiting, if that's appropriate, yeah. in Toronto, that'd be yeah. great. Highlands mm-hmm. the week, yeah, yeah, yeah. leaves yeah. in there, fantastic. You know? There'd mm-hmm. be lots of yeah. benefits to that, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I wish I wanted to wash them when I get back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is some really interesting, um, and w- w- what's interesting is um, uh, a lot of the names you you know you mentioned there, M and S there. You know, they're household, well established old uh, brands and um, historically um, you know these types of brands aren't quick I mean, M&S took a while to change a lot mm. of what they've done they've they make huge strides yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it seems like so this isn't new organisations new fashion brands it is no um, I think there are some niche players who are coming into the space to help support those traditional uh, retailers um, for example uh, some of the biggest fashion high street names um, have begun to uh, begin to use data much more much more readily um, data on uh, or well data from cut from a customer research basis so for example before you even see st- uh, clothing in stores there's been a huge amount of research into what might sell in that next season so you know this you know at this period right now people are looking at the spring summer campaigns for next year and effectively they'll be looking at what jackets to make to, to, to make or not mm-hmm. and so there could be for example 3,000 lines that a fashion operator might be uh, thinking about uh, producing um, but using data and um, a particularly one one company that springs to mind is maybe.com yeah. they've been using crowdsourcing uh, they, they use a, a crowdsource uh, pool of, uh, of consumers to actually comment on these potential 3,000 for example and uh, and then to so they can whittle that down to 1,000 so clearly it's quite obvious that there's a 2,000 unit drop there of efficiencies back to that research that we were talking about in terms of how 
retailers will save money, be more efficient and more sustainable. And I think we know that all these retailers are looking to try and find these new platforms and often they're finding those, they will find those in those small startups who are trying it. So like the Shirt Society or, you know, uh, we're tracking one, uh, it's called Redress West Bridgeford, which is two uh, ladies who are set up a platform, all are on Instagram. They're getting clothes that have not been worn or hardly worn by influencers. They're putting them onto Instagram and selling them it within seconds. Okay, they can drop a garment and it sells it. People fighting for it now. From that, they're doing that to raise money for charity. It's a charity thing. It's really labour intensive. But the reality is, what they've got there is is a new format or a new platform. And is it the answer that's going to save the fashion industry? No. But is there something about what they're doing that the big guys want to learn from? Undoubtedly. In that. Mm-hmm. And that's the interest for us, is finding those new brands, those new thinkers. You know, the work you know, we do, say, at Nottingham Trent um, Fashion School, the fashion management course, you've got all these super young, bright students who have got the headspace, the time, to do the research, to write the thesis, to design the app. And actually you want those fashion houses need to get into those young people Mm -hmm. and these new clever ideas that we feel is where the next generation is going to come from. It's amazing how um, sort of uh, consumer wants is impacting not just the fashion industry but the construction industry in terms of what we're building, what we should be building and what should be made. It's amazing how um, you know what the consumer wants is really making a massive impact on um, yeah. on the future of two industries. And I think you know you kind of question: Do people want to rent clothes where someone else has worn mm. you know worn before? But when you know the prime minister of our company gets married and his mm. wife wears a hired dress, yeah. well, you kind of say this is coming or this you know yeah. it is socially acceptable now. And they see you know, and she very publicly said, "I hired it." You know, I hired it for not very much money, you know, and then I gave it back afterwards. And, you know, there's something in this that we can see that's Mm. coming. And many brands are really struggling to get their head around it. Mm. And I think that's where it's great for us to Mm. be representing them and looking and finding the solution. I I think the the circular economy aspect is something which has kind of really crystallised this year. I think it's the culmination of many many different trends, not just sustainability, ethical production yeah. as well has been a massive thing. Look at the Boohoo uh, inquiries, look at the you know Topshop Arcadia inquiries, all of those sorts of elements in terms of how and where your garment is being made. All those things have kind of come together really and they're now impacting upon not just the buying decisions we talked about, but locations, the customer engagement, customer retention, um, you know, and the way in which you're wearing and buying, uh, you know, and paying for your for your clothes. So, you know, we, we genuinely think that there is going to be a big impact on shopping places, you know, what kind of stores they have. That you know, a lot of the big brands coming from, you know, we talked about the consumer direction, but coming from the brands themselves, they've already started developing a lot of sustainable fashion ranges within their wider ranges. So they will immediately appeal to the more ethically, um, you know, ethical focused consumer. Um, and you know, we've seen uh, other landlords and operators like Via Outlets, who yeah. um, are more familiar to those of you on the continent, but they are an outlet um, village uh, operator, designer outlet village, and they've created a, um, uh, an initiative called Relove. 
and effectively they, they've given over you know large spaces for to, to, to curate sustainable fashion ranges so you walk into that store if you're one of those ethically minded consumers you'll walk into that store and see you know Karl Lagerfeld you'll see other ranges you know uh, De Sigual, uh, Hugo Boss other brands like that and they're all they're all there together in one place. You can you can shop mindfully, ethically, sustainably, and that, and we really think there's a bit of a groundswell of, of opinion on that now. Definitely, and reality is for these retailers, it's a huge amount of time and effort, and it's research into what is coming next. Rather than being focused on the today, you've got to put a big point, big portion of your business into research looking to the future. And obviously, the invent team will understand exactly about you know how important research is in the fashion industry, the tax benefits of that, but actually the benefits to the sustainability of your business. Because if you're not thinking this way, there are other brands who are, and they will steal a march undoubtedly in the industry. Well, on that note, uh, I think that's a fantastic place with a, a nice little plug <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to bring the uh, conversation to an end. It's been uh, very insightful for me um, to, to hear more about the future and a lot of brands I've never heard of that I will be furiously Googling uh, later to uh, get a better understanding of. Uh, if someone's more interested in finding out a little bit more about um, you guys and the research you've been doing, uh, where's the best place to uh, to, to go? Yeah, f- uh, from the UNESCO perspective, visit our website, inesco.co.uk. Yeah, and for us, it's getting in touch on lend.design or through our social media channels. Uh, just get in touch if there's anything extra that people are kind of looking to find out more about. Cool, we'll make sure that those links um, and everything are in the uh, bio for the podcast. Uh, so I hope everyone has enjoyed uh, today's episode. Uh, if you did, please make sure to like, subscribe and share. Um, turn the notifications on so you don't miss a future episode and please make sure to give us a five-star review Um, so John, Dan, thank you very much um, and uh, see you next time thank you very much, see you again thank you for watching Luxury Insider if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and give us a five-star review like, comment and share it with someone who'd find value in it too head on over to our website at www.inventlux.com to learn more And we'll see you on the next episode.